Welcome to the art and science of difficult conversations. I'm Chris. And I'm Lucy, and we love having difficult conversations. That's right. And each week, we'll either share a tip, hear how others have gotten better at difficult conversations, or demonstrate common difficult conversations and what to do and what not to do. Let's get into it. You know, if you were to meet me now in any professional or personal capacity, you'd probably describe me as outgoing, friendly, social, uh, especially if you're in a work environment, you're going to notice that I am comfortable as a facilitator. This is the weird thing. If you had met me, same me, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you would describe me as really shy, really not willing to talk. And that's really the reality for most of my life. I've not been comfortable with having conversations with people, difficult or not difficult, just having conversations with people. And so how did I get here? I don't want to spend too much time on my history, but the reason why it's important is when people get into difficult conversations, their questions are, how do I say this? How do I respond to this behavior? How do I do that? Those are helpful. Those are good tactics. You should, we should learn those, and we're actually going to cover a lot of those on this podcast. We want to learn how to do difficult conversations better. An important aspect that a lot of people look over is, how do you respond to these conversations? What is it about yourself that makes these conversations difficult? For me, I grew up as a child of immigrants. My dad was an immigrant. My mom was a refugee. And so they're in a strange new land. They're millions of miles away from the home they've ever known in their life. And so when you're in that environment, when you're in that kind of situation, and, you're, and they lived in an area that was mainly white, I'm Chinese, you learn how to just go with the flow. A survival instinct. You just go with the flow. You don't want to talk about things that'll rock the boat. You just want to put your head down and get to work. And also, part of our culture is just putting your head down. Let's not talk about hard things. So my parents never talked to me about hard conversations, about relationships, work, sex, all those things that are kind of important to talk about. They didn't talk about those things with us. Surprise to me when I got out of college and I went to my first job in a psychiatric hospital working with adolescents. And the, the environment there was much different than anything I had ever been exposed to. People sharing about really difficult things like suicide, wanting to hurt themselves, sex. So I had to quickly learn how to be comfortable with those things. So much so that I actually decided to make that a career. I actually went to school to become a therapist. I actually lucked into a niche where I focused on sex offending behaviors. And when you're working in that type of intense population, you are really diving deep into hard conversations, things that nobody really wants to talk about. Sex, the mechanics of sex, desires, ide ideations, all of these kind of things that are not normal dinner conversation. You know, and then we I also talked about complex trauma. So I had to quickly learn how to have hard conversations with people about their innermost feelings and thoughts. I also had to have hard conversations with government officials and state agencies around negotiating levels of care. And that carried over to when I then worked in health insurance. I had to work with even within health insurance, but also with external providers, how to negotiate different needs, levels of care how to negotiate costs. And so that takes me to today, where I then transitioned into learning and development and leadership development. And at first, I didn't realize the parallels. But over time, I've learned that those skill sets have really been helpful in helping me become a better leader and helping other leaders become better leaders. Because that's one of the biggest questions I always see and I always hear and I always get. 
how do I have this type of difficult conversation with an employee? How do I address this with this person or address this type of behavior? Surprise, there's lots of actually parallels there. And so one of the things I've done is think about what is it about difficult behaviors and difficult conversations that are hard for people? And it's, I didn't realize this, but a lot of people are like me. They didn't learn how to have difficult conversations. You're probably listening and you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, that sounds like me. You know, either people avoided it or you were just told to ex ignore your feelings altogether. All of that could be true. All of that is fair enough. And that's fine for a survival instinct in a family when you're growing up and you're trying to just get along the best you can. It's a lot harder when you now have to work with other people and their own styles. And some people are willing and happy to talk about their feelings and push back. And other people aren't. During this podcast, myself and Lucy, we really want to help people get comfortable and confident in these kind of conversations. Lucy, thanks for sharing your story and your life with us. Thank you for having me and uh, listening to the story. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, so I'd love to hear your story. And I know just from our talking, I know you're not from the States originally, but I'd love to just hear everything about kind of how you got to the States and then how you got into coaching and working on difficult conversations and mindsets. Thank you. Uh, yes, yeah, so originally, as you see, my name is not the typical American name. <laughs> uh, looks like a, um, some uh, Eastern European name. So yes, actually, I come from the Central Europe, Czech Republic. And uh, I studied to be a teacher of social sciences for high school colleges and English literature. And as I finished uh, my, my school, and was ready to teach, actually got two job offers. And uh, one of them uh, was a very stable job uh, from a next village. I actually come from a small village in Czech Republic that has like 2,000 people in it. Oh, wow. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, everybody knew everybody. And I saw my future at the moment, you know, when I was considering the job offer from a school that I actually used to go to, uh, to teach there. and. Uh, I saw my life like another 50, 60 years ahead of me. I'm taking the two bus stops there into the next village, uh, seeing the same people, meeting the same people, doing the same thing. And I realized I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready to settle. I, I look sometimes younger than the people that I was supposed to teach. <laughs> so I'm like, maybe I'll do something else. And there was an opportunity in the States uh, to actually, um, I was thinking, you know, where uh, I had a family member in the States. And so I decided just to um, explore. And there was another piece to the story. Um, I was very introverted, very shy at the time as well. Mm. And uh, that will be a story for another time. But I really realized I want to open up. I want to grow as a person. And if I stay in the small village, uh, very comfortable lifestyle, stable lifestyle. I would have a job, very convenient. Uh, but I felt I wouldn't grow as a person. Mm. And as one of my key things is really growing and learning. It's one of my key values. And so I took the leap of faith and I went to California, even though my family member was in Chicago. <laughs> mm. yeah. uh, so because I couldn't find a, another opportunity, job opportunity there. So I, I went into... Uh, one of the biggest cities, Los Angeles, from the small village, and um, and that definitely uh, opened uh, lots of opportunities for my growth, 
Yeah, I <laughs> <And> bet. <laughs> I've tried uh, different things. I've tried business. Uh, I had a mini retail uh, business in the past. Uh, I did marketing, accounting, HR. Basically, once I learned something, I felt like, okay, now I need to do something else. Mm. And I kind of became an entrepreneur. So past over past 12 years, I think most of my life, basically that life, I've been an entrepreneur, self-employed. Um, and uh, that's definitely been an adventure and a growth opportunity. So I continue learning and growing. And in 2015, somebody said, Lucy, you have so many different experiences and you help people naturally. Like, why don't you become a coach? I'm like, huh, what? Hmm. <laughs> uh, and so I looked into it more. I shared with some friends, you know what? I think I'm going to try the coaching thing And uh, on, on one trip. And one of the friends came after the trip uh, and asked, Lucy, you know, could you help me with something? And he became my first client in a way. Cool. Uh, so it kind of naturally happened. Uh, I te- had few test clients. I realized, yes, you know, they are getting results. And I realized I like it. I continue to need to learn. Uh, so I felt maybe this is a career I could stick with longer. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so far, it's been uh, since 2015. Now it's uh, 2023. I'm still um, actually deeper and deeper into coaching. And I transitioned more from a business coaching to now leadership mental fitness coaching um where we also have difficult conversations as a common topic that clients bring into the coaching sessions yeah and i would say coaching really fulfills me um compared to teaching i still feel i'm helping people uh our personal growth however with coaching i see the changes uh sometimes immediately within the session sometimes within a few sessions we see the the changes already in being implemented and uh, that's exciting for me as well so there's creativity there's also a big growth for myself with each person i speak with um, i learn something new it also challenges me and my own personal growth kind of accountability there what i tell others i should definitely also tell myself and uh, so learning and contributing to others uh, that I see in a meaningful way. And it's very fulfilling. And I'm very grateful that I get to do this. Yeah, what a story. That's cool. So then when did you, what year did you officially come over to the States? Oh my God, it's like 17 years ago now. 2006. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. Oh boy, <laughs> a lot of math there. God. <laughs> but, um... I think it's interesting. You had essentially a stereotypical midlife crisis at a very young age. <laughs> you look forward, you're like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I left. Uh, yeah, right after uh, university, actually. Uh, I'm inter- you said something really interesting. You said that you were an introvert and that yep. you had that desire to just learn more and grow more and see outside the you know the bigger world out there. Yeah. Um. Where do you think that came from? Where do you think, what do you think built that inside of you to have that desire? I think the desire has been always there. I think I've been always very curious, asking lots of questions. You know, and people thought I'm going to grow up (laughs) out of that. And I still keep asking questions. Now you're getting paid for it. (laughs) Um, So I would say I've been always very curious. Um, In the past, you know, I come from a background, we didn't have much money, so we couldn't travel Mm. really. 
also it was during communism when I was little, so really the travel was not as popular or permitted sometimes in two different countries. Mm-hmm. Plus, we didn't have the resources to really travel. So my travel was books. That was my mm-hmm. adventure. Uh, reading books about travel, reading books about different people's stories and adventures. And that's how I learned. And um, at one point, I decided I don't want to read books anymore. I actually want to live those stories. I want to have some adventure. Mm. And for sure, having your business is a big adventure. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of ups and downs. Sure. <laughs> so I feel the desire was always there, but there was also a big fear. Mm. And something really that was holding me back. There were times when I didn't say what I wanted. Uh, you know, I didn't want to offend people. Or I didn't want them to think about me something, you know, who knows what. Mm-hmm. So I kind of played it safe. Even uh, when I was a teenager, I didn't say express, you know, I like the boy. Because <laughs> mm. I was so afraid of the rejection. I also was wearing glasses at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my confidence were very low, I would say, at the time. Plus, our whole family, I guess, we are more on the shy side. <laughs> so I didn't have even, yeah. like, a role model. And there was something that happened, actually, at... Um, I think I was at high school still. Um, no, I was around 20. Um, so I guess university um, beginning. When I, one night I was taking shower and I found a lump mm-hmm. uh, under my arm, basically by my breast. And I kind of freaked out. Uh, I waited till the morning to tell my mom. And uh, she said, great, you know, our check honesty uh your dad's cousin had the same thing and she was dead within three months mm. that's honest right there <laughs> thank you mom <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> and, uh, our bluntness in our family um so i went to a doctor and you know they did biopsy to find out what's going on and i was thinking i was you know i had this information okay we had in family that some somebody had possibly the same thing and was dead within three months. Mm. And uh, I remember, you know, in the evening, taking another shower, and I remember myself like thinking, "Okay, what if I am dead in three months?" Mm. Um, and I wasn't afraid of death. That is for another story. <laughs> yeah, okay. But um, what I felt was a huge regret. Mm. regret that i didn't allow people to really know who i was because i so many times i just suppressed what i wanted to say Mm. um that i really didn't express myself fully because of the shyness um i felt i missed out on so many things and i felt regret that i didn't get to experience the things in my life that i didn't get to travel really much uh, I didn't get to get married. Um, mm. And so there was lots of regret. So luckily, it wasn't cancer. I didn't die. It was a benign, uh, some tumor, but it built nine. Good to hear. Good they to hear. took it out. So yeah. all good. Um, but I think it was a huge blessing for my life because I think that gave me the kick in a way that that notch to, uh, I decided at that time, i rather fail a million times uh, by trying and mm. going after it rather than have the regret that I felt. Yeah. That I didn't do it. 
Uh, so I think that gave me the courage, even though there was lots of fear, there was lots of um, resistance, uh, as naturally I'm introverted still, mm-hmm. but the knowing what I don't want, I don't want to feel that regret in my life. Mm-hmm. I rather embarrass myself a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know I'll survive it. <laughs> uh, and at least I can have the peace of mind that, yes, I did it. I tried it. Yeah. And that, that's a powerful story. Thanks for sharing. That's uh, that's that's incredible. And that's you know I've heard that before from other people too. It's that um, that that feeling of not wanting to feel regret, not wanting to feel like you missed out on things, um, and that spurs people to try things they've never tried before. And so that's incredible. So then you you decided you're just gonna dive into things. You're gonna try things even if you fail. Even emigrate to a new country where I didn't know anybody in that right. at least state. <laughs> I want to go back to I want to pull that into because earlier you said that your your family was blunt with each other. Were they blunt with people outside of your family? You know, I I wonder if that's part of Czech culture. Uh, they were kind of blunt people. We are very honest usually. Uh, mm. You know, even in the store um, when you used to go, especially during communism, possibly. Um, go to a store the you know the owner of the store or the the shop assistant was like you're bothering me I'm doing my own (laughs) (laughs) and so they didn't smile at you if they didn't have a good mood they wouldn't smile at you Um, they wouldn't pretend Mm. they just would say what's on their mind a lot of times Mm. Um, interesting I mean that must be good and bad right like if you know what somebody's actually thinking and feeling exactly um so on one hand you actually so mostly you know we are more reserved sometimes we don't say uh the good things to people mm-hmm. um people wouldn't be called as fake as much now it's been changing you know um i would say the culture is also changing under the american influence even when i was working in a store while at school as as like a, a part-time job <laughs> to make money mm-hmm. as i was studying uh, there was an American um, company that I was working for, and we got instructions when the customer comes, smile. <laughs> mm. And and for me that was kind of funny, but uh, I was thinking, yeah, probably it's it's important for Czech culture to actually say that that you need to smile when somebody comes because people would not smile. They if they didn't feel good, they just don't smile. Yeah, yeah, and they. Don't make the extra effort, you know, to to put on a face in a way. Hmm. So that's that's I think one of the good things. Yes, you know, usually where you stand with people. Uh, the other one, uh, it could get also very negative. Mm-hmm. I, I would say it's that, the downside. Yeah. Um, and I would say part of that, you know, part of reason why I left, uh, because the region I'm coming from, it's been, um, uh, I would say. There was lots of poverty. There was coal mining region. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not many, you know, new job opportunities, at least at the time. And um, I would say there was a mentality of resentment. Uh, also generations, you know, my, my grandparents being in the Second World War. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was lots of generational trauma that uh, nobody knew how to deal with. Yeah. So there's lots of alcoholism, lots of abuse. Um, 
people don't know just how to deal with things differently because it just seems like it's from generation to generation. Hopefully now things are changing. Yeah. But that's where I grew up. So part of me moving was also to, to get out of that environment to instead of complaining about things and being resigned, really actually do something and change things. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's that sounds really familiar to a lot of even just rural areas in, in the U.S. There, I think there's a very similar mindset, especially places that are coal mining um, or very blue collar in a sense. Um, and then the towns just keep getting smaller. Life keeps passing them by and they're just wondering, what about us? Yeah. Um, and there is that generational trauma as well, for sure. So I'm wondering, how did you combine all of that? How did you combine your the experiences of your upbringing, the the cultural norms of the that their family values of being shy as well as being blunt? How did you combine all that to just either be more comfortable or more confident in difficult conversations? That's a great question. I think the value of, of honesty has been there with me always. Um, I also saw in my family where some conversations were just being avoided. So mm. there was one being blunt and two with some people they wouldn't share certain things. And I saw the cost of that. Mm. Um, let's say my mom with, with her mom, she wouldn't, my mom wouldn't share much about herself. And so the relationship really suffered where my grandmother thought something different about my mom than was actual. Mm. Um, and I saw how them not having these conversations hurt both of them or hurt my mom. Mm. And I think uh, that helped me really make a decision of, I don't want to do that for myself. I really want to rather have these conversations. And even when they hurt, I rather have them rather than see this impact of like uh, this distant relationships, this, this genuine relationships. Yeah. Um, so that was one, one thing that comes from my background that actually, you know, I saw something that I didn't like. Uh, and that actually inspired me to do something different about it. Mm. Um, so sometimes we have positive mentors. Sometimes we have mentors that show us what we don't want to do. <laughs> yep. Yep. So that was my desire to why why to have difficult conversations. Um, I had to even you know I I hired some family members in the past. I hired friends in the past. I also had to fire friends and family mm. members in the past. Um, there were some difficult conversations, uh, and I have to say, really keeping things honest also for myself and sharing the intention. You were asking like how it could help me have difficult conversations. I think what's been helpful, really sharing honestly, how is it for me mm. um, and my desire, my intention, and valuing the relationships though. And I need to say, I'm still friends with my family members, <laughs> even the friends that I had to fire. Um, the relationship actually didn't get damaged hmm. uh, by that. And I'm grateful for that uh, because relationships are important to me. So really, uh, I would say, consider our needs, consider the needs uh, of the other. 
mm-hmm. being open to also hearing their perspective and being present with them and caring also for their success hmm. um, would be one of the things uh, that I think helps with be having these difficult conversations. It's how do you, I, I've never had, I mean, I know situations like this, um, but how do you how did you approach that conversation to fire a family member or friend while maintaining that relationship yeah i just uh was thinking i even fired a client (laughs) who was actually also a friend so maybe i could use that that example yeah sure um so we've been uh she's been with me kind of my my coaching journey through (laughs) the years um and she came to me after some a break uh, to really work on something uh, that was that was important to her, mm-hmm. and at least she was saying this is this is what I want to do. Um, at the time, I was still working more on on the business coaching. Now, so I was transitioning at the time, and she came to me. She's actually also from the same culture than I'm, mm. cool. uh, but also living in the United States. So we have. Some- we are friends. Yeah. Um, it's almost like a family here. <laughs> and we also became, you know, client coach. Mm. Yep. And at one point I realized, you know, I'm actually not serving her because she was showing to the sessions and really didn't do the work. Mm. Uh, so she was saying one thing, but doing another thing. And anytime I looked into it, you know, she would always say some, some, some reason. And I I felt I really am not serving her. And so I decided to have a conversation. I said, you know what? Uh, I don't want to take your money, which was paying me at the time, and you not having the, the results. I mean, we can have the sessions, but I feel I'm not effective here. Mm. Like, we've done this. You keep saying you want to do this, but there's always something getting in the way. So um, let's let's pause um you know our coaching here because i don't see this this would really work for either of us i mean um you would lose money and you you wouldn't get the results <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and also i wouldn't feel good uh about my coaching about my services so mm-hmm. actually it wouldn't be win for me to get money f- under these circumstances so i told her i really want you to be successful but maybe i'm not the right person for mm-hmm. you at this moment uh, and yeah. she's, you know, because I don't see this, this action. So maybe you're not committed. You're not, maybe not as serious about this. And uh, she said, no, I really want to do it. And so we came to an agreement. You know, I understand. I'll think about it. Uh, so she was kind of shocked. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so I said, you know, if you want to come back. I want you to show me your commitment. I want you to, when you are ready to come back, if you want to still work with me, uh, let's do you. You show me that you've done these things. Once you did these things, come back and we will restart our coaching. If that's still what you want to do. I think this this needs to happen for me to really feel like we are moving forward. Mm. Um, And she did take several weeks off. Uh, maybe even a month or two. Yeah, I honestly don't remember how how was how much was the gap. Uh, we basically completed our coaching, and then she reached out to me and said, "Lucy, I'm ready now. 
I actually completed the Sphinx and I'm ready to really dive in fully. Oh, interesting. Um, so there was a conversation I was really afraid of having uh, because like it's still income or self-employed. <laughs> yeah, income. of course. Yeah. Plus it's a friend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which makes it a little bit more complicated. Um, yet, I guess because we've had so many difficult conversations already, she probably knows me already. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and she actually said later on, you know, thank you for doing this for me. I think it really opened my eyes about what I'm, what I was doing. And that conversation really made a huge difference for me. Mm. Uh, and thanks to you also, like by us practicing all these difficult conversations, uh, I actually start also speaking up more for myself. Nice. Nice. I mean, that's a great example of just even holding somebody accountable and challenging somebody and saying, you promised to do this. We're not doing this. We're not making any progress. What are we doing here? Exactly. Do you really want this or or some, or something is missing, but you are not telling me what? Yeah. 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 That's awesome. That's great. And so, and then you just continue to get better and better at difficult conversations. And now you're just an expert in the field. So. I, I don't know if I would still call myself expert, but <laughs> I think I'm a learner. A learner. <laughs> I would call myself a learner. A lifelong student. Exactly. Yes. So then I, I'm interested, you know, just thinking about the people who are listening. Hopefully there are people listening, but let's say the five or six people that are listening. What's one or two things that you think would be really helpful for somebody to get more confident and comfortable in difficult conversations? It's a great question. You know, I'm thinking perhaps one of the things, because sometimes it's easy to avoid difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. um, well, maybe it's going to resolve itself out. So if you feel that you have a difficult conversation um, and thinking about postponing it or avoiding it altogether, Maybe really look at the costs. What are the costs if I don't have the difficult conversation? What are the costs for me? Mm. What are some possible costs for the other person? If let's say if you don't give them the honest feedback, maybe they would never get better actually, and that it could harm them even more in some different situations. Uh, what are the costs for the project if you work on a project together and you don't give them the the honest feedback, constructive mm -hmm. feedback? Yeah. Um, so what are the costs? Uh, looking mm. also, what are the benefits? What would be the benefits for me if I have this conversation? Mm. Um, who do I want to be as a leader, as a person, as a friend? Um, so basically asking ourselves questions to really get clear on our intention, on mm. the cost, on the benefits, why we are doing this. Why is it important, this conversation? Yeah. So being clear about that why, and we can even communicate actually that why in that conversation, uh, because usually mm -hmm. it is because we care for the person, we care for the relationship, and that's why we want to resolve this. Yeah. So we can actually do something about it. Right. Um, so one of the first steps, would say, I would say, getting clear on the why, um, and then preparing for the conversation also. Mm -hmm. What is it? What are the key points that I want to communicate? Uh, for some people, because they know I'm going to, let's say, I'm going to get emotional. And when I get emotional, when I get hijacked by my survival brain, I cannot yep. think straight. Yeah. So one of the strategies is actually to write it down 
and tell the person, you know, I, I'm really nervous. I don't want to forget what I want to say, but this is really important. So I wrote it down. Is that okay if I'm going to read this? <laughs> and then we can discuss about it. Yeah. Um, so that would be additional strategy, uh, really also managing our emotions and having this backup plan of like having something written down uh, mm. to actually be able to communicate in a way that we want to in that situation that could be high pressure, high stress, emotional yeah. situation. Um, and then practicing, I would say, is another, mm. uh, as we practice yep. more, yep. Uh, as we get more and more experience with the positive and the benefits of actually us having these difficult conversations i think that also can help us you know having these other conversations once we and build our confidence with them too yeah yeah totally on board so i love it so you're you're a big proponent of asking yourself and just determining the why and i loved your questions i think that'll really help people figure out do I need to say something? And when should I say something? Mm. Really just doing a cost-benefit analysis of either way. Yeah. Um, and then preparing yourself emotionally, writing down your points if you need to, getting yourself emotionally prepared to be in this conversation, and then practicing. Yeah. You don't get better at things without practice. No, and it could be even role-playing or or watching how other people address this conversation. Yeah. Right. Something like our podcast, in a way, is is a way of preparing ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Could be also asking ourselves questions about other person. What could matter to the other person in this situation, and actually allowing the other person also, um, you know, share their perspective. Hmm. Yeah. So it's not even just guessing what the other person's perspective is, but just get it from them directly get it from the source ask them what their perspective is exactly i love asking questions so not only ourselves <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but also get the other part of the story other part of the perspective uh and really say you know i i really would love us uh to work this out mm -hmm. what would work for you let me yeah. share what would work for me and let's see where we can meet each other how can we make this work together yeah yeah, I love that. Lucy, well, thank you for sharing your story. It's a great story. Uh, well, I think everybody's story is great, but yours is great. And I love hearing your journey, just your growth and your willingness to learn uh, and get comfortable. So I, I really appreciate you being open and being vulnerable to share your story with us. Thank you. And uh, I would say for those introverted there, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it's still sometimes uncomfortable for me to share about myself. The more I do it, the easier it becomes. So it is a, a mental muscle in a way uh, for us to open up, to share, to become more vulnerable. And it is possible. So any of you that are struggling uh, with uh, sharing about yourself, sharing your needs, it takes practice, yet it's possible and it becomes easier. And for those of you that are listening, this is our podcast, The Art and Science of Difficult Conversations. And you're going to hear more every week. You'll hear either a tip on how to do skills within difficult conversations, or you'll hear an interview with somebody like Lucy or somebody else, or you'll also see Lucy and I doing role plays. We'll do demonstrations of different types of difficult conversations. We'll break them down, debrief them, and see what, what goes well, what doesn't go well. But we want everybody to be able to walk away with specific strategies and tips. So this won't be the last time you hear Lucy. You'll just, you'll keep hearing the both of us forever and ever.
<laughs> and if you have any difficult conversation that you would like to prepare for and you haven't seen the topic in our show, please uh, send us a message. Absolutely. So we'll put that in the show notes so you can see how to contact us. But you'll be able to connect with us on LinkedIn as well. And we'll see you on the next episode of the podcast. Looking forward to it.